0: they're also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw room void prohibited by law see terms and conditions
1: 18 plus welcome to the good news with angie austin now with the good news here's angie
0: Hey friend and here with the good news. The good news is one of my good news pals. One of the good news gals is joining us again. Leonitra Davis. I call her Monique Davis. That's what she's known on our show. But if you're looking for her book, drop the picture and hold your light. God's story for my life of overcoming Leonitra Davis. That's where you'll find it. Um, Welcome back, Monique.
1: Thank you for having me. Well, I
0: have been reading the book. I'm, I think, a little bit over halfway through. And when we first met, uh, our kids were in... our youngest girl, your youngest was in fifth grade. And we met in the cafeteria at some event at school. And right away, I knew you were a Christian, you know, we could we had that Christian bond. And I said, you should come on my show. And so then you came on every week for quite a while. And then you said, you know, I've got to get this book done. I'm writing a book and you know, COVID came along and we stopped recording in the studio. So it was like coffee every week with my friends, I'd have you and Beatrice and Michelle and bunch of the other gals. And it was just like me, with your friends, having coffee and chit chatting, and we would re- record the good news. So then you told yes. me you finished the book and you dropped it in my mailbox, and then then from there I started reading it and said, you know, hey, you should, you know, come on the show. We talked a little bit about your childhood, so I'll let you kind of recap uh, just. I mean, really, you couldn't catch a break. So in Drop the Picture and Hold Your Light, we start off in your childhood, which was just abandonment, pain, sexual assault by, you know, a relative. I mean, it was a painful childhood, right?
1: Yes. 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 And it, it was over my, during my formative years. Yes. So um, I call it when I was hit by the by the truck, the devil tried to, to kill me physically And then, when I was raped, uh, he tried to kill me spiritually.
0: So, so hit by hit by a vehicle probably should have died, but minor injuries. But the the vehicle was stopped, so you weren't run over again. And then the rape by your cousin when you were four. So physically and spiritually, you feel like you escaped death in both of those situations.
1: Yes, physically and spiritually. The devil attacked me early on physically and spiritually. And then came along. um, I always been raised with, by my grandparents, my great-grandmother, but she was getting older, and um, my grandmother came along. My grandmother, Fillmore, came along, and she took us, um, my sisters and I. And because we were... um, about to be turned
0: over into the um, system. So had your your grandmother, so this is your dad's mom, Grandma Fillmore, she takes you yes. in. Uh, at first, your mom is kind of resistant, but not for long, and then lets Grandma Fillmore know, you know, hey, you can have them, but I'm not giving you any money. And so your grandpa took a job. They'd already raised, what, five, five or six kids already six, of their own?
1: Six. Six kids, and my grandfather was sick, and he had retired, and he went back to work.
0: Wow, to raise you three girls. And how old were you then yes. when you went with your grandma Fillmore and grandpa?
1: I, I was six, my oldest sister was 12, and my um, middle sister was 10.
0: It's amazing to me. um I mean, thank goodness you went to her at six because you were already so sad. That's the thing that really stood out to me in reading the book, That these the faith, the strength of the faith of your grandma Fillmore and how much you needed that because you were seemingly to me in reading the book, almost always sad, almost always confused, almost always in pain and like praying to feel better. And you said you sensed or felt your grandmother praying over you every night. You could just feel her prayers that she was trying to help you get better. And you didn't know how much she knew about the six years prior to coming to her
1: no i didn't and um a lot of my my paternal side of the family they didn't know um what we were really going through so when my grandmother got us she didn't really know the extent of what we had gone through um so it was it was a time in my life where i felt god telling me help is on the way that's why i named that book that chapter help is on the way when my grandmother and grandfather got us because i at my great-grandmother boy's house she had a sofa and i would build a fort behind the sofa sofa and once i was raped at the end her at her house i didn't that wasn't my safe haven anymore Mm mm-hmm So my sisters thought I had an imaginary friend, but as I got older, I knew that I was always talking to God because I, I, I said there has to be another way. Like I knew at an early age, I guess because the stuff that I had gone through, it made me grow up faster. Than I needed to um but it strengthened my relationship with God, where I knew i was I, I always told myself there had to be another way, and that's when where my faith came in at because if you can remember me and my sisters um we would sit around the table. And imagine ourselves in Paris at a cafe. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> so that is that is the definition of faith. So early on, even through those those tribulations and everything that I had gone through, God was strengthening my faith.
0: And, you know, you I, I was thinking as I'm reading, you know, because I know quite a bit about your story, having had you on the good news for so many years, we would, you know, we recount stories of our childhood, et cetera. I... Um, I figured since you were living with your dad's mom, I didn't think your mom would come around more, but I thought maybe your dad would, but he really didn't. And neither of them seemed to contribute. And then that um, eventually led to a rift between your grandmother, Fillmore, and her son slash your dad, because he was so not involved in the lives of the kids that she took in, his three kids at 6, 10, and 12. And um, I cracked up because your grandma was funny when you were talking about how wonderful it was to be going you know, to church every night and, you know, to really have a safe haven. Your sisters were kind of locked down more, didn't have freedom, and your grandmother described it to you as they were teenagers. They were smelling themselves, just thinking they were all that, right? Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> yes. She, my grandmother was so—my grandmother was a pastor, but she was so down to earth, and she didn't—she— never forgot what it was like to be young
0: yeah
1: she wasn't she wasn't judgmental um she she wasn't um she was a a spiritual person person not religious because re- religious holds religion holds a hostage to all of these rules and and everything but spirituality um, lets us know that God forgives us and He loves us right where we are, and He never stops loving us and that's that's how my grandmother was.
0: Do you think her influence and her faith and, you know, saying pray, Monique, pray, and, you know, and also having that relationship with, uh, you know, your girls with, uh, you know, teaching them about the power of prayers. Do you think that she really in in a way saved you that you wouldn't have been the person that you are had your grandmother not come into your life when you were six?
1: Oh, most definitely. I know I would not have been the person that I am had it not been for my grandmother. And she, um, what she instilled in me, um, the walks we would take when mm-hmm. I first moved with her, um, those walks where she would talk to me and it taught me not only to pay a, listen and pay attention, but to also be still while, while still moving. So because I was I was young and I would say Grandma, where are we going? And sometimes she would tell me, just keep walking, Moni. just keep walking. <laughs> and so, so I did not realize until I got older and um that she was teaching me how to be still and enjoy my process uh.
0: and
1: be present. Be present in the moment. Just, yeah. en- just enjoy right where you are. Be present um, because our present is a gift from God Yeah. and to always just stay in his presence. Because sometimes we, you know, we will walk in, just walk. And I would ask her questions and she will answer. And, you know, I realized as I got older that. She was talking to God, and she was praying over me. So, because she knew early on what um, I was, uh, the life that God was going to bless me with and what I would come up against.
0: Yes, yes. Yes, and come kind of, up against A couple things are, are fascinating to me, like knowing your family and how wonderful your girls are, and that they are the same ages, basically it's same spacing between them as your sisters. And you've had you and your sisters, you've had the opportunity to raise them with love, with a two parent family, and you know all the things you didn't have—not just love, but also you know the financial aspects of it. Your, your your husband, you met you know in like kindergarten, but started dating later in your teens. And uh, there's a couple interesting aspects to that. Um, He ended up um, playing for years uh, in the NFL. And I met you after that period, after he'd already had his career and was dealing with just a host of injuries. Um, We've got like two minutes left before we go to break. I think we should get into the fact that um, your cousin who raped you and your husband, uh, there was that they have the same name.
1: Yes. So... So my abuser and my husband, they their their names are spelled differently, but they they are pronounced the same. And so when even throughout school, my husband, you know, from kindergarten up until the time that we started dating at sixteen, he always thought that I hated him. And once we sat down and had a conversation. And, um, we got to know each other, um, without, you know, the, without me seeing the name, because that's all I saw when I saw him, the name. And so once we started talking, I remember the first time we talked at the community center and I was just like, Oh, he's nice. And so from that point on, we became inseparable. Like, we were best friends first before we started dating.
0: Yeah, he is kind of a gentle giant.
1: He is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So he's already giant, probably, I'm assuming as a teenager, and he's playing football. Something struck me as interesting. Did he have a tough childhood? Not like yours, but tough in that you said he was asking for lunch money from people.
1: So he uh, he would just ask me, Oh. So that, now I know that was his way of starting up a conversation with me. Oh, actually. to ask you for lunch money? <laughs> to ask me for, he would ask me for 50 cents every day to buy, and they probably don't cost I know they don't cost this much now, but it was a blue Hawaiian punch in the can. Do you remember those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so every day, he would sit where I would walk in into the lunchroom, and he sat facing the door, him and his friends, and when I would walk in, he would ask me for 50 cents. Did you give it to him? I gave it to him, because that's just how that's just what my grandmother instilled okay that cracks
0: me to, up <laughs> all right we have to take a break but it
1: cracks me up that's oh
0: my goodness we'll be right back with the good news
1: castle rock is locked in to the mighty 670 klt denver when you shop at your local ark your hard-earned
0: money directly supports individuals with disabilities of people with intellectual disabilities are unemployed. And at ARC thrift stores, approximately 20% of employees are individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities.
1: Well, anytime I'm having a bad day, I'll suddenly get a call from someone. And, you know, how can you have a bad day when someone thinks that they've got the best job in the world hanging up clothes in a thrift store? It's pretty special. People don't get it if they don't come into the store. We buy and showcase it on our social channels. It's important to us. When you see somebody get their paycheck and they have a disability, they will stand at their cash register and tell everyone, I got a paycheck. I'm a real person. Like brings it all home. ARC is a company that lives and breathes its mission,
0: going above and beyond to create a space of inclusivity, morale, and culture. Find the nearest location at 670kltt.com. Hey, friend, Angie Austin here and Leonitra Davis. She goes by Monique Davis. That's your middle name, Monique, right? That we all call you Monique? Yes. Yes. Her book is Drop the Picture and Hold Your Light. You probably heard her on my show numerous times. She's one of the good news gals. And uh, we were talking about you meeting your husband, Andre Davis, that I met you after his NFL career. You'd had your three kids. You've been married many years. Uh, But you were talking about how you knew him since kindergarten. His name being Andre the same as your abuser. And so you he thought you hated him, but you really just hated the name. And then we were talking about <clears throat> every time he'd come in the lunchroom, you'd come in lunch, he'd be waiting for you. And he'd ask you for 50 cents to get a Hawaiian punch. And so and you'd give it to him. You said that your grandmother taught you that like, could you still buy lunch? You gave him 50 cents every day. You did. You barely knew him.
1: Yes, I could still buy lunch, and rem- remember, we grew up together. So it was like, and where we grew up is very small. Um, now I think it's like, seven thousand people. Yeah. Um. Um. But when we were growing up there, it was like it was six thousand. So everybody knew everybody. So that was just our community upbringing, where. During the winter, we would, my sisters and I, my grandmother would pick fix big pots of uh, vegetable beef soup. And we would break it down in a smaller pot. And we would take it around in the neighborhood to all the elderly people. And at that time, they called them sick and shutting. Oh, wow. So we would we would take it around to all of those people. And we would take chop soup off come back and get another pot, drop two bucks. So that's just how we, um, that's just what we were instilled to do. I remember summer, summertime, uh, we would take bag lunches for the kids um, in the project, who were, you know, that's where I I started at with my great-grandmother. She lived in um, housing, so, for me even then it was it was like it was so special to be able to pass out lunches to kids that I knew I know I knew and I know wouldn't have gotten a meal otherwise that's because really neat live with, yeah when we lived with my mother Angie sometimes Lunch was the only meal we had. At school? At school. Oh, wow. We, yeah. At school, the school lunch was the only meal that we had. So I, um, I, 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 it, I felt privileged to be able to go back and give to those kids at such a young age.
0: I'll bet you did, boy. She sure instilled a lot of wonderful things into you, your grandmother Fillmore. So you you're giving this fifty cents, to your hu- your husband, well, to be husband every day, but you're not really having conversations with him, and he's trying to kind of like open the door to talking or being your friend or dating you by asking for fifty cents for Hawaiian punch. And you, it took him a long time to get you to really sit down and chit chat with him, didn't it?
1: Yes, and then, Angie, I did not know, like I said, he, he would sit at that table with a group of friends, and they would be facing the door, so they saw everybody walk in. And I didn't know until after we got married, because he always told me, I knew you were going to be my wife. And I never, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you just, you're just you just talking. So when we went back home one time, and we saw one of those friends, and he said to his friend, "What did I say to you every day that Monique walked into the cafeteria?" And he said, "You, you would say that's gonna be my wife."
0: Oh my goodness! Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah. It, it, especially then, it was very crazy to me because I remember when he had we had a mutual friend, and he had her ask me if. I would date him. And by this time, we were really good friends um, on the verge of being best friends. And it's so crazy because I had this friend in high school, that Andy, I was trying to fix him up with the friend. Oh,
0: that's funny. (laughs) He
1: he kept telling me, no, I don't like her. And I'm like, why? She is beautiful. And he was like, I don't like her. And then... um, one day, our mutual friend came to me, and she was like, Andre Andre wants to date you. And I was like, what? And I looked over at him, and again, at that point, when I found out that he wanted to date me, all I could see was I just shook my head no and said, no, we'll continue to be friends. Because at that point, again, all I could see was the name of my abuser.
0: The name of your abuser, and then the name of your future husband, who you weren't dating yet but friends with, being Andre. Did you call him a nickname or anything, or did you call him Andre?
1: No, but you know what the crazy thing, Anzi, He told me when I when we finally started dating because Andre pursued me, and I remember I started working at um, the local, the, well, not local, but Pizza Hut, and. I would come home from work and he would be sitting on the porch with my grandmother. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? And he would be like, your grandma is my friend. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm looking at my grandmother like, what are you... So he really like, he was persistent and he pursued me. And when um, we finally started dating and I felt comfortable enough with him to tell him what happened to me. He looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, Had I known that, I would have told you to call me something else. Aww. But if I if I would have called him something else, Angie, that for me that name would have always been a point of
0: it would have had power over you still. And yes, in a way, yes. God's like that we're not gonna let that person, your abuser, have power over you anymore, that your husband's gonna have that name and he's gonna be the antithesis of the abuser, kind and caring and you know, waiting all these years to finally date you and chatting with your grandmother. And I I, I take it she approved because I I know your husband's a strong Christian, at least I, I knew that of him, you know, now. But was he as a kid as well when he'd sit there and talk with your grandma?
1: So he had he had to be in church. Um, So he, I was raised up Pentecostal, um, and he was raised up Methodist. But he went to church growing up. But he, you know, growing up Pentecostal, um, it's more we dig more into biblically-based teachings. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not that Methodists don't, but Pentecostal just teaches us different. It's like the um, Day of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. That's in the Bible. So that's how I grew up. So when my husband first came to my church, he didn't understand because um, we shout and beat the drums and... Um, have the tambourine and he was like what is going
0: on <laughs> <laughs> I was like my husband he grew up Catholic and he came to my church I don't know if he met Pastor Moreland but years ago uh, when I went to his church my husband came and he's like whoa and they were like we introduced <laughs> you know the new people like introduce themselves and everything and Pastor Moreland was like uh, Mark said wow you people who aren't Catholics really know to, how to have some fun <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then yes. my daughter called him a screaming pastor, you know, because we went to a couple different churches, like a traditional Cherry Hills Presbyterian church. And then Pastor Moreland's church, we were the only white family who went there. And then I think I told you one day, he said, you weren't at church this Sunday. And I said, how'd you know? And he said, you're the only white lady in the church at the time, right? Not now, but at the time. And it was just so funny because I was like, how'd you know? You know, like, wow. how? Oh, I, like, I felt special. Like, oh, my pastor realized I wasn't in church. Like, oh, you oh, know, that's so special. And then I realized that, like, oh, yeah, I was the only blonde in there. You know, I guess it kind of didn't stand. That was my little blonde children, right? That he was like, oh, their, 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 their uh, seats empty. But anyway, um, yeah, my husband, the same way. He was like, wow, this is crazy compared to my church. Like, when Pastor Moreland would just like burst into song at the pulpit, he'd be like, oh, the, 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 the priests never burst into song, you know, up front. So, uh, not just like while they're preaching okay so you guys were both christians but from different style churches and i I take it your grandmother did approve of you dating him
1: oh my grandmother was the only reason she was the reason that we got married because when marriage came into play it i I was um still fearful of
0: abandonment Oh the name the yeah. name yeah okay the, the na-
1: name and it, it was a name for me Angie at at that point when when we started talking about marriage and I put in my book that um my husband asked me to marry him be- like before we actually got married like that was his second time asking me to marry him um the first time I was just like no And I spoke with my grandmother, and she told me, she said, well, Monique, that is your husband. And I said, Grandma, why would God allow me to get raped by an Andre and then bring this Andre along and say, okay, this is your husband? And so for me, my grandmother had to keep telling me, that's your husband. Wow. And— the second time she told me, I was like, Grandma, no, it's not. And she was like, yes, it is. And I was like, well, I need God to tell me that himself. And it was kind of like, well, it was, I trusted my grandmother's relationship with God so much that whatever she told me, I honored that right because i knew who she was in the life that she lived and that she would never steer me wrong
0: so he asked you the first time and then he asked you your grandmother's just like i would have trusted her too you know because she all she had was your best interest at heart and prayed for you so much and saw that you had a better life um ahead of you uh with the prayer to help you you know heal so He ends up getting drafted, you two get married, you have your daughter, your first daughter, really young, and then you end up having three. And we're going to have to, you know, bump it ahead to our next interview because there's so much to discuss because your husband suffered a lot of injuries. And how many years did he play?
1: Um, Ten years in the NFL, but he um, he played at the University of Florida, Go Gators. (laughs) <laughs> and he in high school and in Florida is in the South is crazy because they started playing tackle football at age six.
0: Yes, yeah, so he's been playing since he was, you know, basically in kindergarten, almost. Yeah. you know, yeah, so, I, so I want to get into all that because everybody looks at your life and says, wow, so be- wonderful. And you traveled all over. He's in the NFL. You have a beautiful home, but there's so much more to it. Your daughter wrote a letter about his injuries and what he suffered. So I wanted to get into that next time. Uh, if people want to get the book, drop the picture and hold your light. Uh, Leonitra Davis, uh, what's your website?
1: It is
0: HoldYourLight.com. HoldYourLight.com. And just uh, hold that thought because we'll continue the interview next time. Thanks, Monique.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.